Steve Schmidt now. He is the founder of Warning Substack Newsletter. Steve, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Uh, that's a lot to fact check in a short period of time. Well, it sure is. It is a fire hose of deceptive nonsense and incoherence that ended before you cut away with smears about Nikki Haley suggesting that she will be investigated over who knows what. But this is the flavor and the character of Donald Trump's campaign. And tonight, Donald Trump is the de facto nominee of the party. Uh, the simple fact of the matter is that Nikki Haley was beaten decisively tonight. Uh, unfortunately for her on the schedule, South Carolina is next, her home state, where she served as governor for eight years. Standing behind Trump is the senator from South Carolina, defeated presidential candidate Tim Scott, uh, who is running against his home state governor. And so you have a situation where she's going to go into the wall with no place to go after South Carolina, so the race is over. And on the Democratic side, um, Joe Biden is the de facto nominee tonight as well. And so the race is set and the dynamic is clear. You have a presidential contest that 80 percent of the country doesn't want, yet here it is. Steve, we were talking earlier um, with our political correspondent, Joe St. George, who was saying, you know, if Trump wins tonight, as he's expected to, which he did, then he's going to have to change his tone and create some unity and bring back some of those Republicans in that he has lost. Um, but we just heard him repeat the big lie multiple times. And we heard his tone very much change from what we heard in right. Iowa. So conciliation. When you were talking about how he has moments um, where he sound, you know, he has a magnanimous tone. So what are we looking at going forward? Do you think that we'll see him change again and try to bring in some of those Republicans? Or is this is this what we're going to hear from here on out? I think it's a mistake to talk about or speculate about Donald Trump changing his tone um, or to analyze any given speech and say, well, there's three magnanimous sentences and there's meaning there. The, the meaning that, that, that matters, that, that animates the campaign, is what he's put at the center of it. And what's at the center of his campaign, and it, and it is historically unique, is that it's driven by malice. Uh, it's driven against enemies of America. You hear a person who is a former president who wishes to be president again to do what Grover Cleveland is the only person who's who's accomplished non-successive terms uh, lambasting anybody uh, that stands in his way in a in a term uh, that would have been found to be un-American by every single one of his predecessors, regardless of party. So malice, uh, nastiness, promises of retribution and punishment. And this is the message that Republican voters, which is right now a small faction of the country, uh, clearly are demonstrating that they want. This is the candidate uh, that they want to be the nominee uh, to go up against uh, what they have decided 
is the great threat, which is the deep state and a hundred other conspiracies which have been driven and have accumulated uh, in the national consciousness over the last eight years. Hey, Steve, I'm looking at the number on the right-hand side of the screen, the 44% of the vote that Nikki Haley did get. And we're talking realistically about an incumbent president. And, and the, the comparison that I think about is, is Barack Obama, very prop, popular among Democrats. Had he been running on the ballot, for instance, for re-election in New Hampshire, we would have expected his numbers to be somewhere in, in the 80s, upper 80s, 90%. So should the former president, Donald Trump, in this case, actually running as an incumbent, feel that he can celebrate those numbers? Or should he be worried about the fact that 44% of his own party didn't vote for him? Well, they understand that those people mostly, like Nikki Haley, uh, like Ron DeSantis, like Tim Scott, uh, like everybody really except Chris Christie, is going to get in line. Um, strategically in this race, there's a, there's a simple thing to look at. Whomever this race is about is the person who's going to lose. And Donald Trump has thus far made the race about Joe Biden. And he's prosecuted a case against Joe Biden that has rallied the party. And so the race, if Donald Trump can help it, is going to be about Joe Biden. What the Biden campaign has to do is to make it against Trump. And so we're at a moment where there's a real fracturing in the political coalition. You see vast underperformances in polling numbers with African-American voters, with Hispanic voters, uh, with white working class voters for the Democratic Party, which are all part of a constituency that they need to win. At the same time, there's a real loss inside the Republican Party of voters that just simply cannot stomach Trump. But we should not be mistaken to believe that when the choice is framed in November, as it's coming, um, that they won't vote for the Republican candidate. There's going to be a lot of unhappy people who don't like the choice participating in the election. I mean, the thing that really the, the majority political opinion right now in the country is you got 80 percent of people who disagree on all sorts of stuff, agree. They don't like the choice they're going to get, so they're going to be unhappy voters. Yeah, I know you talked about that in your podcast yeah. the other night, uh, the conversation you had with Adam Kinzinger. Uh, Steve Schmidt yeah. for us tonight. We're, of course, going to check back in with you a little bit later. We'll be right back. To you in New Hampshire. All right, thanks, Rafa. We're joined once again by Steve Schmidt, who is the writer and host of The Warning Substack newsletter, um, podcast. And so, Steve, we should mention that initially, at the very beginning, you did work with the Dean Phillips campaign. I'm wondering what your takeaway is tonight on his performance and what what his his performance and the Nikki Haley performance mean for the two presumptive nominees going forward. Well, I was thinking when I was listening to the speeches that I'm old enough to remember that you had to win the New Hampshire primary to give a victory speech. Um, I think both candidates uh, didn't meet the test uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, Dean Phillips uh, didn't come anywhere close to the 42 percent line uh, that Gene McCarthy hit in 1968 that effectively forced Lyndon Johnson from the race. 
uh, didn't hit the numbers that Pat Buchanan did, uh, just didn't really register, didn't do the things that are necessary uh, to win a race in New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley uh, has not taken the gloves off at all with Donald Trump, and that showed. And she was decisively beaten there as well. And effectively, uh, the race is now set. Uh, by any normal standard, uh, both men, President Biden, former President Trump, are now the de facto nominees of their party. Steve, I'm curious, as you know, politics boils down to sometimes who would you like to have a beer with? And after you listen to the speech of the former president and you think about the current president, which one would do you think the voters would want to sit down and have a beer with or, or Coke if they're non-alcoholic? Well, um, it depends who you ask that question. There's an awful lot of people uh, that would like to sit down with Donald Trump. Uh, he has built a community of staggering size and dimensions. Um, you have this phenomenon that's playing out. You saw it with Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments, which are fundamentally un-American because dissent is fundamentally American. And she's using a word, eradicate, from the party. What does that mean? And where does that stop? There's a reality that when political movements become extreme like this, they get smaller. And as they do, they get hotter and denser and more extreme and smaller as they purify. But the proposition that Donald Trump is running on isn't that we're going to build a majority coalition. It's that we have a hardened minority faction plus apathy is enough to win a small victory on a choice that 80 percent of the country says they don't want. So this dynamic in this election is going to be very, very interesting because the number one unifying issue in the race is the American people don't want the choice that tonight they got. So, Steve, we're hearing a few narratives here. We're hearing Nikki Haley say that she's the only one who can beat Joe Biden, that Donald Trump can't do it. He's lost the Senate, the House, and the, and the White House. We're hearing Dean Phillips go out and say he's the only one who can beat Donald Trump, and he challenges anybody to show him the data that shows otherwise. Um, and, and we have you saying that the person who's going to lose is the person who the attention is on. So with all of that, I know a lot of Democrats are very leery after 2016 to I say... I believe the phrase is bedwetting. <laughs> yes, to say, oh, no, no, Joe Biden's got this locked down. So help us kind of unpack all of that and, and untangle all of that moving forward. Is there a path here for Donald Trump if the attention stays on him? Well, look, in 2016, Donald Trump was losing that election all the way through to the very end when James Comey made the election about Hillary Clinton in the closing hours of the election. Thus far, this election cycle has fundamentally been commanded by Donald Trump. He fills this tremendous communications vacuum, um, or he generates a tremendous tsunami of coverage that has washed over the Biden White House. Um, it, it, has, it has put the president into a position 
where he's losing uh, the electoral college states where the presidency will be decided. And if you had said on January 7th of 2021 uh, that the extremist movement would be hotter, more extreme than it has ever been, uh, and Donald Trump would have the nomination wrapped up by the New Hampshire primary, uh, no one would have bought it. But, but that's where we are today. And the message, the hostility, uh, is quite real. And, and you have a big population in the country uh, that wants it. And you're hearing from them in a process that gets broader as it moves on. As more people participate, right, the question of, of, of what we want becomes more manifestly clear. And the choice is going to be very that's clear. That's why the, the nickname Teflon Trump continues to stick. But we haven't heard from the surrogates for the White House either. We have not heard from Barack Obama, for instance, Michelle Obama. We have not heard from Gavin Newsom or the others, um, you know, Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan. So we shall see, as they say. Steve Schmidt is the founder of the Warning Substack newsletter. Steve, as always, thanks for being with us tonight. We'll see you soon. My pleasure.